Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in to episode 70. Episode 70, Ryan. Seems like we've been doing this for a year and a half now. And I think it's it's unique because there's three things unique about this one that I can think of. One... I'm recording at the headquarters where I work at at R-Square Global. Two, recording in Louisiana, which I don't ever do. And three, I don't I don't remember what the, <laughs> I had three things. I, don't I think probably was a face-to-face Face-to-face, this face time. that's yeah. what it is. Face-to-face, yep. yeah, 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 yeah. Face-to-face, that's what it was. So three things. Uh, we've recorded some, one or two, I think, face-to-face. But uh, those these three things aligning are, are really rare. Yeah, yeah, you don't come to L.A. very much. You seem to... Uh want to stay in the great state of texas it's called the great state of texas for a reason they don't call it the great state of louisiana they call it lousiana a lot actually <laughs> lousiana <laughs> well ryan we've had uh quite a lot of stuff going on this week uh, we're going to get to some reviews here shortly um but uh, i think wasn't there wasn't there a uh, conference that you were mentioning that was going to be coming up this month uh well we have nate which is just around the corner summer nate um we had the desk and derek had the uh clay shoot uh last week i believe it was and that went well and then you know outside of that josh i'm trying to think if there is a you got me on the spot here i'm trying to think if there's a conference that i that i can't can't put my finger on but summer nape obviously should be um an interesting one obviously with what we're gonna talk about on this show and previous shows um be curious to see what's going on there and then also with drilling info talking about um all the m a activity that's going on so yeah summer nape is just around the corner but beyond that I, off the top of my head if it's uh I can't remember one that I'm if I, if I plugged one before. But um, speaking of drilling info, let's go ahead and thank our sponsor, which is drilling info. You can get a hundred free dollars by starting your account by going to globalenergymedia.com/courthouse. That's globalenergymedia.com/courthouse. Get your hundred free bones today. Sign up and uh, tell them we sent you. Yep, and you mentioned in those reviews, Ryan, we've uh, we had two come in over the last week. Uh, spent my dollar. Uh, he's a graduating college student. I say he, maybe it's a she. Uh, but um, the review is love the podcast as a college student seeking a career in oil and gas these guys help me stay up to date on all things oil and gas appreciate the review and the the, the rating uh, spent my dollar re- really appreciate it and then the second one is range angie 12 uh, it's a great podcast very informative and covers a broad range of topics and keeps me up to date with current events we do our best and uh, we really appreciate the review and the five-star rating uh yeah, and on that, we have not heard from last month's winner, which expires here in just a few weeks. But you and everyone else who did not win is entered. That drawing, I believe we said, is August the 10th, is that episode. So um, just so you guys know, when you put a review in, sometimes it takes 24, 48 hours for us to see it. So if you want to be entered to win, you got to leave a written review in iTunes probably before Wednesday the 8th. Yeah, you might get squeezed one in there by August the 9th, but... Um, Play safe. I'll get in there by Wednesday the 8th. We really appreciate it, guys. You, If you understand how iTunes works, this really helps spread the word. We look at our numbers. They're growing. Uh, we get a lot of good feedback. We thank you so much for that. But, Josh, I didn't even tell you about this. So, you know, we always say Ryan at globalenergymedia.com if you got questions, comments, or concerns. Now, if you want to be on the podcast, you can also send a text or a voicemail to 318-599-9192. 318-599-9192. You can send us a text or a voicemail all you have to do is say that you're leaving it for the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast because it's for all the shows that I do with Global Energy Media. Um, but you can get your question on the air if you want to just you know, leave a message about how great Ryan is or something like that. That's cool, too. But 318-599-9192, you can send a text 
or leave a voicemail if you call. It should go straight to voicemail and say it's for Texas Oil and Gas Podcast, and we'll answer your question. We'll play it on the air uh, right here. So uh, we just added that in. I forgot to tell you about that before we started the show, but uh, excited for that. Hopefully we can get people to uh, you know ask questions. It's a little bit more convenient because we always say Ryan at GlobalNGB.com, but they're listening to it on their phone. When aliens pick up the phone, they can plug in the number, send a text, or leave a phone call right there while they're listening to the show. And two things, Ryan, uh, just to recap. The, the winner for the, the $50 gift card, the Visa gift card, has not uh, – has not claimed that yet. So, what was the date that we gave him before? August the tenth. It's the same day. So, August tenth, and that's the redrawing. Right? That's the redrawing. So, yeah, just good, good point here. Because podcasts live in the world forever, essentially, we can't just leave this open ended. We have to shut off the date. So, um, and we don't know who you are. So, if you leave a review, we can't contact you. We don't have some secret sauce that iTunes gives us to let us contact you. We just this is how we do it. We, we announce the show. So, if he has not come forward by August the tenth, we cannot we. That, that, that one goes away. Regardless, though, we will have another drawing on August the 10th. So there's two things in play there. One, uh, Alfred has by August the 10th claim. Two, anyone who did not win is entered to win in this second drawing. Um, and so um, that, that's how that works. Thanks for asking. That's a good clarification. Okay. All right. Anything else, Ryan, before we jump into some of the, the news this week? Um, you know, I don't think so, Josh. Uh, we're in Spotify now. I don't know if I told you or not. We're in Spotify now. And I didn't even tell you this. Boy, so much stuff I hadn't told you about. You are now listed on iTunes as one of the hosts. So uh, <laughs> they finally updated the uh, speaker who hosts our shows, finally updated to allow me to put the other co-hosts on here. So you are now officially the co-host of Texas Long Gas Podcast. It's good to have you on board, Josh. Yep. You know, I noticed that. I was looking at the reviews, and I was like, oh, there's my name, man. It's uh, Apple's finally figuring out how this thing works. You know, it, kudos to them because when I started these other shows with the people, the account set up for whatever you put in there. And I said, hey, I've got co-hosts, and, you know, like I told you when I asked you to come on board, I can't list you anywhere other than, other than like, a description because it just wouldn't let me. But they, um, I was going through the other day, and um, there, boom, there it was. So, yeah, but we're on Spotify, iHeartRadio, obviously, and uh, Google, and, uh, iTunes, all that kind of good stuff. Well, uh, starting things off, Ryan, we have an article from our good friend Sergio Chapa with the San Antonio's Business Journal. He's a frequent guest we have on the show he wrote an article talking about the epic uh, midstream holdings uh, pipeline that is basically creating a pipeline from the Permian to the Corpus. Um, and he's talking about Diamondback Energy is basically agreeing uh, or committing to helping coming alongside epic midstream holdings to get this pipeline built. And, uh, and so it looks like a big project. It's going to be something that we've been talking about. It's been something that we talked about for Probably probably about a year now. I think maybe our first yeah. first podcast yeah. we we covered some of this epic stuff, uh, but it's it was a huge project and it looks like they are nearing uh, nearing uh, not the finish line but uh, really getting this thing close to right. completion. First off, I love Diamondbacks uh, stock ticker, which is Fang. I love yeah. that. <laughs> That's great. Uh, but the other thing is, yeah, fifty thousand barrels per day capacity is going to be added to Epic, and you know we've talked on this show before about the lack of infrastructure and how that could cause um, constraints on you know, producers the second half of this year. And so it's interesting to see how many deals like this that we're going to see that were Epic went out, they secured a bunch of agreements, and now more companies are come on. So um, you know they have certain volumes that they have to get guaranteed to build these pipelines. And so I'm curious to see, like with Epic, I don't know um, when they went out and did it, how close to capacity they were because I'm sure they anticipated selling more deals. But now as we hear talks of people saying, you know what, um, there's going to be some constraint in the infrastructure. How many of these deals, like Epic's and others we've 
we've, we've talked about on the show, will you see that more producers are going to hop on here uh, trying to capitalize on some spare capacity? Because spare capacity is drying up, and Diamondback's one of those companies that's been really aggressive. And so um, it makes sense that they that they hop on here. Of course, I love their midstream companies, uh, their subsidiary, which is Rattler Midstream. So I just love everything about that guy, yeah. about those guys. You know, I uh, mentioned it. It shows here that the project was announced in October 2017. That should be close to... Uh, it seemed like it was announced before that, right? Well, we were, yeah, I think, yeah, I think, and this is the thing, maybe a listener can text us or leave a voicemail at 318-599-9192, but I think Epic has maybe more than one line, best I can tell. I, I haven't gone in there and broken it down because we reported on the story a couple of times, and um, I think they actually, um, they announced one thing, but I thought that was a crude line, and they came back later on and had a, a gas line that they've announced. Someone close to the Epic project told me that specifically. Um, so, but again, you know, uh, regardless, it's good. I, I do. We did talk about the epic on the first show. I'm most positive. And so, oh, we did. Um, it was a 700 mile line, dude. It right. was. Uh, I remember some of the some of the specs. And it looks like here it says that a total of 425,000 barrels per day of capacity oil uh, basically has been uh, booked. You know, co- commitments that they've received. Uh, the first the first two that came on was Apache and Noble Energy. So, looks like uh looks like it's well underway. They have the commitments they need to push on with the project and uh diamondback one of the more recent people to join in so yeah i know sergio listen sergio let me know Did, because episode one was like march of 17 right mm-hmm, yeah yeah so six months before that. um yeah you're saying it was in, yeah obviously sergio's guys figuring the pulse here so is it a different epic line or what's going on there because I, I thought it was the same project or uh maybe maybe back then it was more rumor and he's saying it's officially you know it could yeah. have been something where it's officially broke the news or something like that sure uh, it could yeah. be just a, a slight deal there but we're calling you wrong, Sergio, until you tell us you're right. <laughs> well, we have another article from Sergio. Uh, drilling permit roundup, Live Oak County emerging as a hot new spot. Uh, Sergio pulls these drilling permits um, every so often, and they're just fantastic for getting a, a snapshot of what's going on in the market. So uh, he has uh, th- his latest roundup shows Live Oak County uh, being a, you know, a hot spot this, you know, this quarter uh, for drilling drilling permits yeah it was interesting because he tagged me on twitter you can find sergio on twitter which is at s choppa s-a-b-j um but he tagged uh, the global energy media account and maybe my personal account on twitter about this and he put in the tweet this week's drilling permit roundup looks at how new uh, yeah looks at how new oil and gas activity has doubled in 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 the eagle fridge live oak county and so my question was is how many of these rigs have come from the Permian. Are we? We talked about the four. Will we see rigs shifted from the Permian if you have assets in the Eagleford? Mm-hmm. And he came back and said um, that these were South Texas companies, Conoco, Phillips, uh, Burlington Resources, is the top driller, and he would need to check uh, some others as well. But it seems like right now that this is just um, work that's picking up that may or may not be tied to some of the potential slowdowns in the Permian. But it is something to watch because we talk about these stuff. You know, if you if you want to keep these rigs going, you don't want to lose the rig. You might shift it to the Eagleford. I thought that was what was happening here, but according to at least in the tweet he sent back, it's not what's happening. But hey, good for the Eagleford. You know, pick up a little business here, and I'd be curious to see as Permian potentially slows down the second half, will we see more stories like this where the Eagleford uh, begins to pick up more work? Yeah, Ryan, and you know, I hate to put you on the spot again. Um, just if if you recall, the Pioneer came out with the article that talked about. 
the Permian reaching capacity, and they had a timeline set on it. Was it two to four months? Yeah, it was like two to three, maybe four months, something like that. And, and that was about a month and a half ago, yeah, two was, months ago? Yeah, I can tell you that was when the OPEC seminar was, which I think was like the last week of June-ish, somewhere okay, in there. So about, 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 about a month. About a month ago. Yeah, and, and just to be clear on that, I don't think Pioneer was actually saying that all Permian capacity for all producers, but there will be some, maybe plenty. And as you watch these second quarter earnings reports come out, we talked about that several times, it's important. Because you're going to see, like Halliburton is already forecasting, they're going to have a rough time the second half of this year. And I think it was either, uh, I think it was Schlumberger, I can't remember. They, they're they not reporting that. So, it makes you, so again, you're going to have to be strategic here moving forward to find out, as we talked about when that came out, Josh, talk to your clients. Just ask them, hey, what do you think of the comments? And find out, are they going to be slowing down or not? Some of our clients have told us they are, some of them they're not. So it just kind of depends on a case-by-case scenario. But, yeah, we're going to be getting there really close. Yep, I'm I'm excited to see. You know, it's not an exciting prospect, uh, but it's also um, it's exciting to see how these companies are going to work around it because it's going to cause drilling in other areas. It's also going to cause pipeline jobs that are going to be coming. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, for other people and other aspects of the industry. So, and and, and one more thing on that is that you you take that um, and you have that issue that you know about, and then you watch what's going on with Trump and Iran, and you see because um, the pressure. The, the price, rather, is going to continue to rise, it looks like. Um, there's, you know, Aramco even announced that there's some problems. They might be able to reach the capacity that they're talking about because of some shipping issues. Um, if Trump leaves the sanctions in place with Iran and they cannot export to the market, the prices will continue to go up, which means these producers are going to be really antsy, especially the one if you're, if you're hedged, you know, you kind of have your price locked in. But if you're not hedged and prices go up to maybe $85 per barrel, let's say, you're going to be just dying to cut a deal. Because you're going to get you know you're going to get the pipe uh, you know, the, the product out of the ground. So I'm really interested to watch, you know, if the sanctions stay in place and if Venezuela also declines, the prices could really climb here. What is going to happen with these producers? Are we going to see more companies like an Epic come out, you know, a conglomeration, um, and, and you know, start getting commitments to, um, to some of these projects? So yeah, these next three to four months should be really interesting. What will be the you know just just something I just just thought about out of, out of curiosity? If something like that were to happen, prices went up. Uh, considerably, could um, projected dates move closer? Like, so some of these are projected to be completed around the end of 2019. I know there's a lot of red tape that these companies uh, have to go through in order to secure the land, get it surveyed, get the pipe out. Uh, if there was a significant financial advantage to getting it done, say a year sooner, that might be pushing it. But right. just p- pushing it to an extreme, could some of these companies really get things done a lot faster, or does the regulations in the industry? really uh, require it to be a certain time out. Yeah, we got a couple things there. So, you know, um, you can only build it so fast. So just mm. from a construction standpoint, you can put more people on it and expedite that process somewhat, but the building process is just a long process in general. So you, you can probably cut that down some. You can incentivize contractors to get it done quicker, but that process in and of itself is um, one thing. Marginal. Yeah, yeah. So you, so you make a, a, you know, a couple months off, but not, not really going to be a you know, at the end of the day, a big deal. The other thing is, you know, you got the these big long projects are gonna have permitting and environmental requirements. Mm-hmm. Um, I must maybe Trump could, you know, instruct the FERC or, um, you know, the FERC could on their own say, yeah, we're gonna expedite these permits. Don't really, I'm not, you know, get Blackman on to answer that kind of question, but I would assume that's possible. But the final piece is, they have to negotiate with these landowners, and so they have to get these landowners to sign off. And every time on these projects, you have these landowners who are holding out. And so I don't know how many, I don't have that kind of insight on this project, um, but you might have landowners who are holding out and are going to sue or make the company sue them 
um, for expropriation condemnation condemnation rights, and that could also drag the process out as well. Mm-hmm. Now that, but all of that being said, that's all built into this timeline already. Yeah, right. You know, and so you know, so you'd have to get a lot of things resolved to be able to move the deadline up sooner. Then, um, you know, it's outside area expertise, but the steel. You got to, you know this is a big large pipe that you have to have ordered. It has to be manufactured. It has to be shipped over here. So you got all these moving elements that yeah you probably could tweak it some, but it just seems like there's probably too many parts along this process to actually move it up a significant amount. That's what I was thinking. You know I, I imagine that there's not a lot they can do to uh, to really move those dates up. You know a considerable amount. Well, looking at another article, Ryan, RigZone came out with an article that talks about oil and gas companies needing to focus on recruitment and retention in the Permian. So uh, some some uh, news came out this week that Midland's unemployment rate is 2.1. That's the lowest of all counties in the state of Texas. Odessa's is 2.8. Uh, is in the top 10 of the lowest unemployment rates in Texas. So unemployment looks great um, in Texas. But there's still a shortage of people. Uh, they, they need they need good quality um, folks to come in and work you know work in several different fields. So uh, it's a good problem to have. But um, at the same time, it's something that that they really need to get secured. And I, I I'm not sure what all areas these jobs are in. Um, I don't know if it's you know just drilling or um, yeah. Well, you're gonna have a lot of jobs. It's gonna be a lot of uh, kind of those those blue collar jobs you're gonna have. Um, and, and here's the reality. This is what makes the oil and gas industry great, and it also makes it tough, is that the oil and gas industry, you know, will go and work in remote places. So that means you have to hire people that are willing to travel or relocate, um, which is why they get paid good salaries. And they're out there doing dangerous work, hard work, and they're usually away from their families. Um, but if you think about that, Josh, there's only a certain segment of the population that really fits into wanting to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so right now, I think you're you're probably going to see a battle where people are going. You know, we could play, we could pay crazy salaries, but um, you know, is this person going to be committed? Like they're long term. Um, you know, there there are people right now who are looking for a job. We had Ethan Smith on last week, um, who's looking for a job and is struggling to find it. I think you're going to see this this issue and this tension here for a while because. If you remember just a couple of years ago, oil was $100 a barrel. You know, we were trying to find people with the same problem. And then how many people lost their jobs? And kind of that old boogeyman come out, which is, oh, my gosh, the oil and gas industry goes up and down. It's volatile. I'll be a part of that. And so now you're trying to reconvince people, hey, come out here to Midland, which, you know, I love the folks in Midland, but it's not near a big metropolitan area. It's kind of a dry area as far as the climate goes. Um, so you got to move out there or relocate out there or buy an RV. The, the, the prices are really expensive. And for some folks, they're going to be going, you know, is this job really worth it? I think when we talk about the oil and gas industry as a whole, um, how they market themselves, this is where they struggle. We have to start marketing ourselves as people, normal folks who do stuff like me and you or, you know, these these truck drivers or these drilling uh, foremen, wherever the jobs is, and letting the general population know that, hey, we're good people too. We do good work. We do a very important service to the world. Um, And those marketing campaigns have to go on other thing that needs to go on and part of the reason we wrote me and alfonso did that book was to let people know how do you get these jobs mm-hmm. because it can be scary you, you think of just go just use ethan again here he is trying to get a job and he's like man i don't know what to do anymore and it's not really clear and you you, you know we all know the game do you want to talk to a recruiter or a headhunter and 
you know, how honest is that? Is that really working? And then from a company standpoint, do you want to hire a recruiter or headhunter? Are they going to bring the best candidates? There, it's just a process where we have to educate the masses. We have to reach the college students, the middle class, whoever it is that you're going after on what's going on out there. And, um, and you know, I think we're trying to do our part here. And I'm not saying that I'm not mad at anybody or blaming anybody or anybody's being negligent or, or, or uh, dishonest. It's just something that we haven't been aware of historically. Um, but now as we move forward, I think we have to realize, hey, you know what? We need folks from Iowa to come down to Texas. How do we get that to happen? And we have to ensure them that they move their family down to Iowa uh, from Iowa down to Midland, that they're going to be able to have a job uh, a year from now. Because if the prices do crash and you're in a certain job, like you're working on an oil rig, that job doesn't translate, right? Mm-hmm. If you're if you're driving a truck, though, hey, and that's if I was if 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 you're a truck driving business owner, I would advertise that right now. You can make great money on a job that's not going away, so you can make great money right now. Learn a trade that you can work probably for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And so I think those are the types of marketing schemes that companies need to advertise because if there are truck drivers out there that would probably like to make the money that these guys are making, and guess what? If the industry goes down, then go work for Walmart or Target or, I don't know, insert insert company here. You, you know what I'm saying? Driving a truck somewhere else uh, all across the United States. And uh, reading a little snippet from this article, Ryan, you mentioned recruiting from Iowa. Uh, this this um, Just to read this section, the Permian is probably at the lowest unemployment rate it's been for nearly two decades. So finding talent locally has been really a challenge, said Gutierrez or Gutierrez. It's forced us to expand our recruiting area. So we're now recruiting from areas such as South Texas, New Mexico, Houston, and even as far as Mississippi. Uh, so they're, you know, they're, they're reaching out and trying to pull in people from the outside. And I, I think you mentioned that book earlier, Ryan. I passed out a copy actually to a, uh, a, uh, a guy who was graduating high school. Uh, he actually graduated this year and is looking at different opportunities he has and is thinking about different college career options. And, uh, and I shared with him a few things that he could do in the oil and gas industry. I know he has kind of an engineer's interest. But I talked about the, the income differentials for mm-hmm. folks that are going regular engineering or go specialized kind of in an oil and gas-specific uh, industry engineer. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it really uh, piqued his interest. So I gave him a copy of the book, told him to, to look into it. So there's lots of opportunities that are available in the industry, and I think a lot of them are, are really untapped, like you said, that, that we haven't done a good job of, of really um, getting the information out about how these jobs are acquired and, and the sort of benefits that come along with them because there's a lot of jobs that go along with oil and gas outside of um, you know offshore drilling. Or yeah, and, international and jobs, you know, U.S.-based jobs, wherever. And, and I think the final thing is, is and maybe there's, I, mean, I don't know there's advocacy groups out there, but... Um, if there is one, I'd be curious to know, you know, right at globalengineering.com or 318-599-9192. Um, I'm curious, you know, is there a jobs advocacy group that's going around to Halliburton and Schlumberger? Okay, we know you're competing for the same person, but let's be honest here. We need that person in the industry. He might work for Halliburton for three years, and they may go to Schlumberger, but that person has to be brought into the industry. So together, um, those two companies, just to use that, or hundreds of companies could help recruit because we need people just that are in the mix, mm-hmm. that are just in the mix, that are in the pool. Right now, the pool is drained and it's tapped. We need more people in the pool. Well, guess what? Halliburton can only recruit so many. And if you don't work for Halliburton, then that recruiting almost you know, it doesn't, it's not as effective if you said you had a coalition or a council that's going out there and advocating with these colleges, these high schools, these universities. You could then have maybe 100 companies or mm. 1,000 companies that are putting in dollars to, to, to grow the pool. Because if the pool grows, you know, a lot of people we get come from other companies because they're already trained. Yep. You know, they work for our competitor and they decide to leave or, or got laid off or fired or whatever. And so then you hire them because they come trained. Um, so bringing those people into the pool 
is very important right now, and the pool is tapped, and then, which is good. It's a good problem to have. Yeah. But uh, that I think you know uh, the, the industry needs to try to figure out how to band together and uh, get more people into the industry. It's a great great way of increasing the talent, the the average talent level uh, as well, because if more people come in, the people who are successful are also going to get job offers to other companies, making more money because they've proven themselves to be very good at at their jobs. So uh, I think it would also increase just the overall. Uh, overall talent in the industry uh, even though you know pulling more people in that may not affect the average in a positive way but I think that there will be people who begin to stand out uh, like you said I mean um, Halliburton may not directly benefit from hiring this guy but the guy that you know a competing company they may have hired someone that's proven themselves that over three years that can then become a great asset for Halliburton so yeah and every time you bring someone else in the industry what happens they say hey where are you working at I work here Okay. Oh, okay. Well, what do you do? I do this. Oh, you know, that sounds cool. Uh, you know, and so all of a sudden, just more people in the pool um, helps bring more people in. And we've got to bring more people in. And like you're saying, you know, um, bring, you know, you might, you know, Halliburton just used Halliburton and Slumberjay. They might both spend $1,000 on some kind of coalition, and Slumberjay gets the first four people. But those same people probably at some point will work for Halliburton. That's right. And even if they don't, their friends may work for Halliburton or, or, or something. So you kind of have that ripple effect. All right, Ryan. And we have a. Uh, Texas Roundup portion where we cover some recent jobs, recent uh, acquisitions or mergers that have taken place. You know, uh, Ryan mentioned early on in the show that Drilling Info anticipated or projected that there would be like $50 billion in M&A mergers and acquisitions over the uh, the rest of the year. Uh, and so we've been tracking this, keeping up with it, and we mentioned BP uh, a couple of times, but uh, it the title of the article is BP Acquisition Pumps $10.5 billion into Texas Oil Plays. Uh, so this is really going to help the the industry and the economy here in the area. Um, just to read a line here, British Energy Major BP is a huge Texas player again after agreeing to pay $10.5 billion for shale oil and gas assets of Australia's BHP Billiton. Uh, the sale represents a major turnaround for BP as it seeks to grow again after the 2010 Deepwater Horizon tragedy in the Gulf of Mexico. So I uh, hope it works out for BP. hope they uh, they have great success. and create lots of jobs and opportunities for folks and uh, uh i'm looking forward to seeing you know how how everything works for them yeah i, I wondered and i wondered if they were going to count this as part of their 50 billion like i wonder if they went out there and said okay what's the number we think we think okay this is 10 this is 10 billion right here so so we've got one fifth already carved out that's right and they may not actually consider this as a true m&a deal like they're talking about i would imagine they would uh, chesapeake also announced they're selling for like two billion uh two or three billion they're their uh, Utica assets. So you got like $13 billion off the books already. So <laughs> not, not a lot left. Not so a lot left. I would, I would assume, I had to go back and read the, the BP article. I would assume they would count this, but hey, I don't really care one way or another. It's just, it's just like, hey, you know, that's a, it's a good deal. And we've talked about these assets going on for a while, and we were curious um, at one point, you know, are they going to package them up together and sell them to one big company? If so, that's only a few companies that could buy that, we said. And mm-hmm. this is this is one of those type of companies, or were they going to break them apart and say, you know, Josh can buy this, Ryan can buy this, but they packaged them up, and that meant that only a handful of people in the world could actually buy them. BP did. And BP, you know, they're, like they said, they're trying to reshape their image, and, uh, you know, they, they probably took a um, – obviously it was a terrible event that happened, and so people lost their lives. That's, that's tragic. Um, and there's definitely – anytime something like that happens, almost always there's something that got missed. So we want to acknowledge that. But on the flip side, I think – I think, and I haven't followed it that close, but I feel like BP has tried to make it right. Mm. I feel like they've tried to make it right, which is what you, which, which is what you expect them to do. Um, I know when, when I was living in Louisiana, there was these funds going around for people who, um, you know, their 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 business was impacted. So I don't know whatever happened with all that, but I, it, it, there was a point in time where it seemed like at least they were trying to make it right. Um, but 
you know, again, I didn't follow it that closely. Um, so it'd be interesting to see getting back in the Permian, and I mean the Eagle for rather, um, you know, how they handle things, and are they going to be aggressive, Josh, or are they going to be like a, you know like a Conoco Phillips kind of play it nice and slow? Um, those are the things we'll be watching here. But if you have a contract with BP or MSA with BP, you are passing out the high fives today for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Ryan, uh, I think that wraps up all of our stories for the day. Um, I'm pulling up right now the drilling uh, drilling info rig count. We always uh, pull our rig count every Friday from rig count, uh, I mean drilling info. And uh, just as an FYI, we're actually pulling this on a Saturday this week. Uh, but the drill count is 1,146. It's up 3%. Uh, so it took a, you know, it, it bumped up a little bit, Ryan, uh, over the past seven days. Yeah, well, that's good to see. And, um, you know, kind of the same old drum we've been beating is what will happen over the next few weeks with uh, with the rig count and the Permian, you know, as we see companies, you know, if what we're hearing is true, and I know just talking to people on the ground that some of the slowdown is coming, you know, how much will the impact be, where it will be impacted at, and things like that. So um, it's exciting half of the second year. And, you know, we talked, let's kind of recap something. We said we thought the first half of the year would be really good, mm-hmm. and we wanted to see what's going to happen with OPEC. Um, and the second half of the year. So let's kind of break that down now. The first half of the year was really good. Mm-hmm. And then OPEC, uh, and then Trump comes, and Venezuela has fallen completely off the map. Okay. Completely. So that, you know, that, that's, it's just a tragedy there, what's happened to those people in Venezuela. So you have that. Then you have Trump pulling out the, the Iranian sanctions, so prices are going up. All of that to be said is it could be kind of rough on a couple of people here because of the pipeline constraints, which we didn't we didn't foresee that coming. Never would have um, thought that. So it's going to be a good half of the second year in general, but you could see some areas of the market that are a little bit tighter than others just because of this. But it's interesting, you know, because we thought, okay, um, OPEC, what are they going to do? You know, how the other producer, the, the, the Permian producer is going to overproduce, and actually everything has lined up perfectly, almost so almost too good to the point where you have this this constraint now in the market, um, but. It probably means that next year is going to look even better. I'd be curious to see, you know, six months from now where we're at then. But, um, but you know, I, it feels like the way things are setting up now, you don't you don't see Venezuela turn around anytime soon. I don't know what Trump's going to do with Iran. I, I think I talked about this on the Energy Week podcast last week. Um, I said my personal opinion is I think Trump right now he's you know talking about war and all this stuff, and it feels like it just feels like that he's he's hyping up the rhetoric to back up the reason that gasoline prices are going up. Mm-hmm. So you have gasoline prices going up because oil prices are going up. And it feels like Trump is kind of acting uh, over the top about how bad Iran is so that he can come to the American people and say, see, these are bad people. We have to make sure that we keep we pull these sanctions. We have, we have to put these sanctions on them. Otherwise, you know, what would they do? And so he kind of justifies the rising gasoline prices, which he will be blamed for because of what he did with the sanctions. So it's interesting to watch what Trump's doing and how he's trying to play that. I could be wrong there, but it seems like he's trying to validate what people are going to accuse him of is the high gas prices by doing that. So, um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting second half of the year and uh, 70 ep- episodes in, man. 70 episodes. That's uh, a year and a half about, around about. So uh, it's going great, man. Uh, looking at our numbers last week, they were, they were, our, it's continuing to grow. Like every week, it seems like our numbers are, are getting better and better. They are. They are. Well, let's thank our sponsor, which is again Drilling Info, who did predict the $50, $50 billion in MA activity the second half of this year. So we interested to see how they do on that. I'm sure they will get it very close because they are experts, which is why you need to partner with them. And we're going to give you $100 free to do that by going to globalenergymedia.com slash courthouse. That's globalenergymedia.com slash courthouse. Question, comment, or concern, 318-599-9192. That's 318-599-9192. You can leave a text or a voicemail there. No phone calls, although only voicemails. Um, it should go straight to voicemail. Um, and 
Josh, is that it? I think anything that's it, buddy. Anything else? Okay. Oh, oh yeah, RyanGlobalEnergyMedia.com if you want to be old school with an email. Okay, for Josh Shelton, this is Ryan Ray saying until next time, keep climbing. Keep climbing.